The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? I mean, is is that not the most ridiculous game of these Stanley Cup playoffs so far that we just watched? I don't know if it comes through on my mic or not, if you guys can tell, but uh, I have no voice left. I uh, I went out tonight. I went downtown. Uh, I was actually on City News for a little bit, hanging out at uh, La Cage. Uh, with a bunch of Habs fans just watching that game play out, and my God, I I don't I don't think I've seen that wild of a of a playoff game in my entire life. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens absolutely stole a game, absolutely stole a game. They win three to two in overtime and take a two one series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights on home ice. <laughs> I mean, hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are feeling absolutely spectacular right now. Absolutely spectacular. The old vocal cords are uh, are feeling pretty rough, but <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens have a 2-1 series lead in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. What 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 more could you possibly ask from this team? I mean, might be nice to you know have a better showing overall during the the regulation time, but I mean they got it done when it mattered. So far this series, uh, their best period has been the first period. Okay, this game starts out and it becomes brutally apparent within the first thirty seconds of the period that like it's not going to be the case this time. Vegas is the better team. Vegas is the better team. They're they're getting all the shots. And when I say all the shots, I mean the Habs took about 12 minutes, I want to say, in the first period to actually get a shot on goal. So it was it, the, the polar opposite of the way the first two games went, where the Habs in the first two games, they had control of everything in the first period, but complete polar opposite. Vegas is clearly the better team. Doesn't look good. They're out shooting the Habs by a wide margin. I mean, the only reason that game was close at the end of the first period, the only reason it was 0-0 is because Carey Price played fantastic. He didn't make any super wild saves in the first period, but he was just well-positioned, you know, square to every single shot that came at him. He was perfect. He was perfect. And that was the reason that the Habs managed to get to the second period with a score of 0-0. Uh, it was frustrating. It was definitely frustrating. I mean, I don't know how much of it had to do with uh, Dominique Ducharme not being allowed to be on the bench. It sure seemed like they weren't getting the matchups that they necessarily wanted. 
And it was just overall a, a poor a poor period of hockey for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, lucky to get out of that period 0-0. Get into the second period, and of course, they make a mistake. Eric Stahl, uh, in behind his own net, kind of just throws it out front, hoping that he's got somebody there to get it. It lands directly on the stick of Nicolas Roy, and he beats Carey Price. one nothing Vegas. They deserved it. They, they, they deserved to have a goal. It wasn't shocking to see an error on the Habs part give them that goal. But at the same time, it, it kind of took the air out of the game. Like, it's, it, at that point, like, it just felt like, for sure, they're going to lose this game, right? Not so fast. About a minute later, Nick Suzuki gets the puck in the neutral zone, puts a perfect pass on a streaking Cole Caulfield stick, to give him a breakaway. And Cole Caulfield, the puck's bouncing around. He manages to settle it down and go roof daddy. 1-1. We're back in it. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. But don't get too excited, right? Don't get too excited. Because the rest of that period, the rest of that second period was pretty much all nights. I mean, they went back to doing basically the exact same thing they were doing in the first period. And it did not look good. But, alas, the Habs get out of the second period again with a tie game, 1-1. Deserved or not, that's what the score was. And, you know, they had to take advantage of that opportunity. I mean, Carey Price gave you a fighting chance in a game that, realistically, you didn't have much of a chance being in. And you got to take advantage of it. You have to. But, of course, just over two minutes into the third period, Vegas Golden Knights go on a bit of a rush. Max Pacioretty passes it over to Alex Petrangelo. He gains the zone, takes maybe a stride into the Habs zone, takes a shot, beats Carey Price. Probably the one shot of the night that Carey Price wishes he had back. I mean, it's hard to fault him for that goal because he made so many quality saves in the night. But watching that go in, it was like, really? That's going to be the game winner? Like that, of all the shots they've had tonight, that's going to be the one that wins this game? Come on now. Because it sure looked like that was going to end up being the shot that ended the game. I mean, for, for the remainder of that period, in the third, the Habs weren't really able to generate much. I mean, they, they had a couple of opportunities, but they were few and far between. Officials completely unwilling to give the Habs a power play no matter what happens we'll talk more about that afterwards but lo and behold if anybody who is a longtime hockey fan who watches a lot of world juniors you might remember a certain Marc-André Fleury who made a certain mistake in the gold medal game of the world juniors against the United States where he kind of flubbed the puck he tried to go out and play it Shot it directly at Patrick O'Sullivan, and Patrick O'Sullivan scored. And before this series started, I, I was making a joke in the Eyes in the Prize chat about how we needed that version of Macandre Fleury to show up at some point. And guess what happens? <laughs> with with just under, I think, two minutes to go in the third period, Habs dump it in. It gets tipped just on the other side of center, so it's not icing. Goes around behind the net. Fleury comes out, skates around behind his net. Five holes himself. 
flubs the puck in between his own five hole and Josh Anderson comes streaking in like a bat out of hell and just backhands it into an open net. It's 2-2. It's tied at 2. And the Montreal Canadiens are going to overtime despite being outshot 2-1. to Despite being outchanced, I don't know, maybe even 3-1 to at that point. But it doesn't matter because now it's next goal wins. Now it's a new game. And wouldn't you know, all of a sudden, the game goes back and forth when overtime starts. All of a sudden, the Habs are able to actually generate some chances. Now it's like an actual game. Now it's like they're equals. For the first 60 minutes of that game, they didn't look very much like equals for the most part. But all of a sudden, they look like equals. They're both getting chances. And Jesperi Kakanyemi, late in the frame, flips it into the zone. Josh Anderson, just as he's crossing the line, knocks it down. Looks like it might be a high stick. It's not a high stick. It's below his shoulders. Paul Byron is following up on the play. He's right behind Josh Anderson. Anderson can't get to it, but Byron absolutely can. He cuts out to the left, and there's nobody to defend it. He slides it across. Josh Anderson puts it into the net. The Habs win. They take a 2-1 series lead in an overtime period that they honestly had no business being in. I mean, how, how can you possibly say at this point that this doesn't feel like 1993? They have four overtime wins. Four. They're getting stellar goaltending. And in every series so far, they've been the underdog. They've not been expected to do anything that they're doing. How does this not feel exactly like 1993? It's definitely hard to compare this team to the last one that actually went and won it all. But honestly, the the way that they're playing, the fact that they never quit, the fact that they're that resilient, like despite being in a game where you were virtually dominated in every facet of the game, and the officials wouldn't give you a power play to save your life. Corey Perry got high-sticked so hard that he looked like he got hit with a machete in the face. Cut up. It's a four-minute penalty. Oh, wait. No, it's not. It's only a four-minute penalty if they actually call it. They had to... This team had to sit there. They had to face not only the fact that they were getting dominated in the actual game itself, but they also had to deal with the fact that the officials were clearly, clearly in favor of the Vegas Golden Knights. And they still pulled it off. They still somehow managed to pull that off in the face of all that. You know, a team that's clearly it's their night. They're just doing better. The officials are not on your side at all. And you have to capitalize on a couple of good opportunities and the fact that your goaltender played one of the best games we've ever seen him play. And we've seen him play some fantastic games, Carey Price, during his career with the Montreal Canadiens. But that right there was his... It was a masterpiece. He gets my player of the game, Carey Price. Um, I, I don't think that's a tough decision to make. He was fantastic. The, the, the one goal, the second goal, uh, Petrangelo's goal, probably shouldn't have gone in, but 
what are you really going to do? Uh, like, if not for him, they're, they're not in that overtime in the first place. Um, big shout out to Josh Anderson. I mean, he's been snake bitten. He's just not been feeling it. Like, he hasn't been able to find the net. And out of nowhere, in the biggest possible game, he finds a way to put two of them in, capitalizes on the flurry mistake, and then uh, goes out there and knocks a puck out of midair, follows it up well, goes to the net, and gets the overtime winner as well. Like, big ups to him, but uh, how do you not give player of the game to Carey Price? I mean, he was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'll tell you who doesn't get any sort of player of the game or, or anything whatsoever is the officials i mean <laughs> i know i already mentioned it but like wow the the high stick on perry was right like he the ref was looking right at it he was bleeding badly he had to go and get stitches in the room as a result of that high stick and still no call i mean i don't know what he has to do like do, does he have to lose an eye in order to get the penalty called there I don't know. I'm honestly asking because I have no idea what he has to do to actually draw that call. Brendan Gallagher in the third period, he got tripped along the boards. Um, and I swear, I, I could have been... It's, it's possible that I'm jaded at this point and I'm seeing things that aren't really there. But I swear to God, the ref, I saw him look at it and shake his head no. And it like... I'm a Habs fan, so obviously I want them to get power play opportunities. But even if I do my absolute best to remove all of my bias and just look at that play, like if one of the Habs players did the exact same thing and tripped one of their players like that and then got called, I wouldn't even be angry about it. I'd be like, yeah, that's that's definitely a penalty. I mean, but these refs are watching the game and they're just, nope, 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 nope. Nothing's a penalty, as long as it's Vegas. But, you know, God forbid Nick Suzuki takes a hit and Shea Weber goes and tries to answer it a little bit. Uh, he gets a penalty. I don't agree with what Weber did. I think that what he did probably warranted a penalty. But if you're going to call Weber for going over and trying to address a hit that he didn't like, which, by the way, the hit was clean, not much else I can say about that. But if you're going to call him for that, if you're going to call him for going over there and trying to address it when he felt it wasn't clean, regardless of whether or not he's right, then you have to call any of the other multitude of infractions that the Vegas Golden Knights committed on the night. I don't know. I mean, I wrote an article the other day specifically singling out the one-sided officiating from Game 2. Uh, but at least in that game, you had score effects to, you know, kind of give it a reason, right? Not to say that it's a good reason, but at least it's there. At least it's something that you can point at and be like, well, yeah, that's the culprit. No, not this time. Habs spent most of that game behind. They spent more of it behind than they did leading. They spent 0% of the game leading. In fact, the only time they took a lead was in overtime when Josh Anderson scored the game winner. So, I mean, I don't know what needs to be done. I mean, I hope, I hope that somebody in the Canadians organization, I don't care if it's Jeff Molson or if it's Marc Bergevin 
or even if uh, Ducharme uh, wants to do a presser from his own house, somebody has to go out and say something about this officiating. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Knights were dominating that game. They didn't need help from the refs, and they got it anyways. The, the, the <laughs> I'm on cloud nine right now, honestly. I'm so happy about the result of that game. Um, so it, it feels weird to sit here and complain about the officiating so much, but uh, like again, the fact that the Habs managed to overcome all of that is just unbelievably satisfying. I mean... All I can hope for is that somehow, some way, the officiating gets a little bit more fair uh, as this series goes on. The Habs have a huge opportunity if they can win Sunday's game, if they can come out, you know, put together a, a similar effort to they did that they did in Game Two. Um, th- they might be able to take a three-one lead before this thing goes back to Vegas. They might, and if that ends up being the case, I mean. How can you possibly bet against this team at this point? How can you bet that they won't find a way, regardless of whether or not they legitimately deserve it to win, take the series, and go on to the cup final? And then if they get there, if they get to the cup final, is is anybody realistically going to bet against this team at that point? I mean, if it feels like destiny. It feels like 1993. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, thanks for listening. Today's episode, we're running around... Oh, 17 minutes again. Grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Megaphone. Uh, I am on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a line. And as always, à la prochaine.